You're listening to The Noble and Roosh Show, brought to you by Ball is Life and Dash Radio. Welcome to another episode of The Noble and Roosh Show, hosted by Ball is Life. I'm your host, Roosh Williams, with my co-host, Zach Noble. And today, we're going to be doing a little Brooklyn Nets talk, the number one team in the East. We have Robin Lundberg and Mr. Matt Brooks in the building with us. So folks, how you doing? How you doing? We got two guys at once. So I'll let you take your turns. Robin, how you doing? I'm doing well. Wait, the Nets are first in the East. I thought they were a disaster. I, I, I heard, I heard this was a disastrous season and they need to, you know, reconsider everything they've ever done. I didn't realize they were actually first in the East. I was with Carried you before down, I right? checked yeah. the rankings. I mean, I thought they were freaking middle all, of the pack the way the world all the drama, about. all the problems still first in the East. Right. Um, Matt, how you doing? Yo, it's good to meet everybody. I haven't, uh, I haven't put a face to the, to the Twitter name, to the, the tweets before. So this is good to meet everybody in person. Um, thank you guys for having me. Yeah, man. Thank you both for joining. <laughs> so uh, real quick, before we dive deep into it, I got some fools on the East Coast. I know you're not Knicks guys, but um, can you explain what Bing Bong is? <laughs> Come on, you didn't see the video? I've seen the video. I just, all I see is Bing Bong, fuck your life. But I don't know, I don't know what it is. Well, you know, Knicks fans, uh, God bless them. Uh, they are, uh, you know, very passionate. Um, some are a bit misguided. Some, many are arrogant without really a reason. Uh, and the, the, when you, when you uh, took that viral video or whatever, where they were celebrating, well, don't you regret not coming to the Knicks, Katie? And then bing bong, it just became a rallying cry. They were excited at the beginning of the season, right? It's, it's very reminiscent of Knicks tape uh, from, what was that, 2013? It was, I yeah. Think? Yeah. When the Knicks 12 won, 13, maybe? Yeah, Knicks won 54 games that year. So, I mean, I, I don't mind Knicks fans for being excited at the beginning of the season of the run, but they really set themselves up, right? Like that, that was, you know, putting yourself in a position because it was the ultimate backfire move because now anything that goes wrong for the Knicks, every other team's social media account, every other fan base, the immediate response, which is always funny to me, is bing bong. Except for the Nets. The Nets didn't do it. They should have. That was the one I was like, it was sitting right there on a platter and there was no bing bong. I was ready for it. I did actually find a tweet on Nets social account that clowned him after the game doing the bing bong. Oh, there we I'll, go. So we I'll send it to you. All right, good, good. I, I personally love just the arrogance of the Knicks fan base. Um, because why not? You know, they've been I've grown there. to like them because of it, to be honest. Yeah, well, they, they've, they've sucked for what, two, three decades <clears throat> now, except for like a year or two here and there. So I guess they make the most of whatever they get when they get it. But um, okay, so the Brooklyn Nets are the number one team in the East. Surprise, surprise, as Robin indicated and noted. Um, so let's just kind of kick into it, man. There seems to be a lot, a lot to, to unpack and dissect and discuss. Zach, where do you want to start? Ooh, where do we want to start? Well, Bench and Blake Griffin, let's let's go a soft hitter there. I mean, I'm kind of pissed because the guy is just fun to watch just bulldoze charges. He's leading the league in charges. I think that skill alone should keep him in the starting lineup. Um, I don't know. Where, what do you guys start with Matt here? How long is Blake Griffin going to be out of this thing? And um, I had, I'm disappointed. I think that's a valuable skill in itself. Yes, his shooting has been terrible. Uh, but I think his playmaking, passing, I personally think he can bring just as much as Paul Millsap and James Johnson. Um, hmm. Man, isn't that the million-dollar question this week? Uh, oh, yeah, I, I mean, soft 
No, 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 no. That's, that's the big one. That's you you'd think with a team with like James Harden, uh, Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, the big discussions would be those three, especially when two, two of them have various things going on. No, it's just the whole week's been Bill Sapp versus Blake Griffin this last week. If you're on the Nets Twitter side of things, which don't, don't get into that. You're going to, it's a hellscape over there. Um, but no, I mean, uh, yeah, I, I think what they're doing right now is they wanted to add a uh, couple of things into the starting lineup. LaMarcus Aldridge's shooting was something that they really, really needed because it's not like they're getting anything else uh, from their other big men to pair with James Harden. So at least if you can get a guy that can space a little bit, give you a pick and pop option, um, that's what they were looking for in that lineup. And then off the bench, I mean, it's, I don't really understand. The one thing I've never understood with the Nets was why is it either with their veteran bigs, they either start or they're completely benched. Like there's no middle ground with these guys, like seeing 10 minutes of floor time off the bench. It's either you start or it's nothing. So we've seen this last year with DJ. We've seen it this year with Blake. Uh, my feeling is they want to know what they've got in Millsap right now. Um, he's barely played. I think he's played 179 minutes. He's only played over 15 minutes, like three to four times. So for an older player like that, you want to give him, you obviously don't want to overextend him, but he does need some consistency in, in terms of role. So I think they know what they have in Blake. The Chargers are great. The shooting is not great. The I think he's lost a little bit, even from four months ago in terms of his verticality, plus the spacing is a lot worse this year. So that makes things kind of difficult. So I think right now they're in an experiment, uh, I guess an experimentation period. Plus you have Nicholas Claxton coming back tomorrow, recording this on Thursday. So he'll come back on Friday against the Minnesota Timberwolves. Yeah, I think Claxton is a big wild card there. Uh, he didn't play well at the beginning of the season, but one thing I think James Harden has missed a little bit is a lob threat. Because when he, he he started doing, he actually did it the other night against the Knicks. He took a couple mid-range shots, but he's been pausing in the mid-range a lot. And, and I think part of that is because his floater game isn't opened up because he doesn't have the threat of a lob. So Claxton could help there. Blake Griffin really wasn't doing that. And, and Blake just was shooting so poorly. He basically in that hand. I mean, Steve Nash gave him a lot of rope and, and he deserved it because he played. Blake Griffin was great in the, the Milwaukee series last year in, in the playoffs. But at this point, he's a he's a hustle guy, and he wasn't giving you the shooting. So once Bembry started creating the the role for himself that he was creating, and you bring Bruce Brown back, I know they're not big men, but they serve sort of the similar purpose that Blake Griffin was serving in a sense of being uh, a hustle, energy, cutting off the ball, agitators almost in a way. And then when it came to the big men, you know, uh, he, Matt just pointed out you have Lamarcus Aldridge was giving them another scoring threat. Now, Aldridge may be matchup dependent as the season goes along because of the kind of big he is. But with Kyrie out of the lineup and with really only Durant, Harden, Patty Mills giving you any consistent scoring otherwise, the addition of Aldridge as a scorer really helped. And, and you know, maybe they're giving Millsap a look as a small ball kind of player, but um, he looks like he can't really move out there. I, I think when you see Claxton come back, Mm -hmm. That will change the dynamics of this move where it doesn't look like quite the same because Claxton will be going to where he was. Aldridge will be going to where he was. And then Blake Griffin's missing out on that. Not, not in favor of Millsap. Yeah. Blake Griffin is kind of, like you said, he was huge in the Milwaukee series. Right. And so I thought he was going to kind of come back, plug right in and continue to be more of the same playing really poorly, shooting really poorly. Um, But also to Matt's point, I think it's kind of interesting that 
He's just totally out, right? Maybe not, you can't even carve out five, eight, ten minutes for him, spot minutes here and there, just totally out of the lineup. Millsap, obviously, and LaMarcus Aldridge, both both at age 36, although Aldridge is playing infinitely better. Um, so we'll see what happens if Millsap is able to kind of plug in that role. And Aldridge, it, honestly, if Aldridge had not come back, I think that things might look pretty ugly. He's given him, what, 13 and a half points on the season, shooting almost 38% from three. Um, you know, providing some spacing, but defensively, when when it gets down to it in certain matchups, I think he might be an issue, of course. Um, but having watched James Harden a lot in Houston, I know that he needs a lob threat. And as long as he's got a 6'11 guy that knows how to roll and get vertical, he can have a lob threat. Harden started out, um, you know, passive, I'd say, he's shooting 14 shots per game, which is by far the lowest I've seen since I knew who James Harden was on a, you know, national superstar type level. Um, but can we talk a little bit about Claxton? Claxton was kind of in and out, got sent to the G League. I, I think he was out for personal reasons. I haven't understood the, the Claxton situation. I thought he was a big part of what the Nets did last season, and I thought he was a big part of being able to get rid of DeAndre Jordan, or more so needing to get rid of DeAndre Jordan. Um, so can you guys elaborate on Claxton, what's been going on with him, why he's been out, and why uh, what you expect when he returns? Well, he had mono, right, Matt? Yeah, that's what it, that's what uh, that's what came out today. Uh, so, and I've heard similar things. Just that it's it's uh, long term illness, I guess, uh, is kind of what I've heard this last two weeks or so. So, um, yeah, uh, it's it's a long term illness that's affected his ability to like, you know, not only just practice and stuff, but like really do anything physically. So, Mono's a big that's deal. Hurt. That'll fuck you. Yeah, yeah, it's not ideal. It's not ideal at all. So. Um, I think with that in mind, that's really affected his early portion of the season. Um, he's, you know, he's, he's a really good player with flaws for sure. Um, you know, that those flaws were a reason that he wasn't really able to carve out a role. I like him as a role guy. Um, in general, I, he's a good athlete. He's not a perfect role guy. He's not the screen setter that Clint Capella was. He's not, um, somebody that always is, you know, pops, I guess, as a role guy coming out of those screens, but he is at least somebody that offers some verticality. So I think for people that are expecting him to come back tomorrow on the nets to be fixed, if there are people out there like that, um, I would just caution that a little bit. He's a young player. He's working through things, but I think he'll help. I think any amount of athleticism you could add to this team is going to make a big difference because, you know, you look at somebody like DeAndre Bembry, he's offered a lot of things since really entering the lineup. But the big thing is just athleticism. This team just needs pot. And um, somebody like Clax will definitely give you that. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you there. Like Clax, I was a little disappointed with in the beginning of the season, just because you expected him to take a, a, a bit of a step forward. But he still has talent, and he, he definitely get up and down the floor. And and this team needs, uh, you know, yeah, bounce. Um, and the other thing it could provide is you can switch one through five with him, even as like a more traditional big because he's quick on his feet and quick laterally. And one more thing, you guys got to stop bringing up DeAndre Jordan. He's not yeah. an NBA player anymore. <laughs> <laughs> like any team that he's a part of the lineup, they need to stop putting him in the lineup, stop playing him in the road, putting him out of the rotation completely was a good move. The Lakers will be better off when they get him out of the rotation. Make, make no mistake. I was not saying that he was needed. I was saying that Claxton was kind of the, the trigger that allowed, you know, the, basically, the whole reason he played was because of not ego, but he thinks he's still an NBA player and Kyrie and Katie wanted him on the team, right? There was that whole dynamic. So Claxton, kind of popping on the scene and emerging, I think was proof in the pudding of like, all right, can we, can we finally move on from this guy? Right. Yeah. I, I don't think, think, I think the Lakers will be better. 
Huh? I think Harden yep. was frustrated playing with him. You could see it yep. visibly. Like Probably Harden was pissed off like three or four times a game. Well, Harden needs his big to be able to catch lobs over the top. Period. That I mean, it opens up so much more for his game. But yeah, I think the Lakers will be better served moving on from him. And I think if you saw today, they said that they're only going to play one center moving forward. So I think they're also getting to that point as well. One one note on Claxton. Uh, I, I just really don't like his hands. I think that's been one of the biggest issues. Uh, I think he's got terrible hands. Uh, but uh, Sharp, I know they just started playing Cam Thomas. I know he's a lot more polished. I'm the biggest Cam Thomas guy there is. But do you think there's any chance if Claxton doesn't work out, I mean, Sharp could come in and do something there, or they're just not going to try that at all this year? Robin? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I haven't really even thought about that too much. I mean, I, I think... Um, they go deep in Brooklyn, Cam Thomas they go is deep. A, another big big addition. What's that? They go deep in Brooklyn. They're not afraid to explore yeah, well, the crevices. I think if if Claxton doesn't work, then or they don't, they're not happy with Claxton. He's probably one of the players you might see them look to deal. I, I think that's where they, yep. they would probably go with him because he still has maybe some, not like huge return value, but some sort of interest on the on the market there. Cam Thomas is the the one that's much more intriguing. I like the way they've handled Cam Thomas this season because they didn't just give him that spot. They made him sort of earn that spot a little bit. Um, you know, Javon Carter didn't make it harder to get, but <laughs> they made it. Uh, they made him earn that spot a little bit. And and, and again, in the absence of Kyrie, because that's the big story, right? No matter what else we're talking about, Kyrie is the the little you know black cloud that that follows you everywhere you go, right? Uh, Kyrie with, with him out, they need some other shot creation. And Cam Thomas giving them that a little bit more consistently off the bench. That's been that's been a big big deal for them. Him and uh, yeah, I think it was Sharp. Like real real quick, no, Kyrie and DeAndre Jordan. Don't you think they should just form the the next uh, expansion team in Omaha, Nebraska, in the Heartland? So um, <laughs> all those uh, start Republicans their own league. Yeah, maybe? can support Kyrie and his movement. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think. Uh, <laughs> I think on sharp, I, uh, he's difficult because he's kind of a, a rookie big. He offers offensive rebounding, uh, passing, I guess he can do a little bit with the ball in his hands. It's not a lot, but you know, and again, it's that's, these are this is from summer league. So we'll see if any of this translates, but, um, he's difficult. He's a, a big, that's kind of doesn't necessarily have a defensive scheme just in terms of from the little bit that we've seen, I, I just don't really know what he's going to fit into. Is he a drop coverage guy where he's hanging back in the paint? We're not sure. He's not a huge athlete. Is he a switch guy yet? It's probably a lot to ask of a rookie big. And they kind of have that problem on the roster overall. You look at Paul Millsap. That's the guy they're trying to, you know, give a little bit of a trial period. He's not a guy. The switching has been ugly. Every time either, you know, he gets a switch with Chris Paul, Chris Paul's dusting him. Uh, you, you put him in drop. God bless Paul Millsap. He is not going to deter a single lob probably throughout the entire season. It's not happening. Blake Griffin, same thing. He's probably a little bit better at switching than somebody like Paul Millsap. But I think overall, like what they're looking for is just to have a little bit of consistency with the guy that's anchoring their defense. And that's probably going to come from either a buyout or if they're going to use those TPEs, which I don't think they will. Um, or if they're taking some of the guys that they have right now and packaging them together for something. So that could, could you maybe uh, could you maybe elaborate on you know rumors or any hypothetical 
tools. Because when I try to look at what Brooklyn could do to solve that problem, the only thing I can think of is A, what you just suggested, but I don't see how that materializes practically. Or B, you can mess around and maybe run KD at the five, but I don't know how that works either long term. It might work in, in situational like circumstances, but but yeah, could you like elaborate on who some targets might be or right. on the buyout market or trade targets? All right. I'm going to give you a moment. This is, to, this is Zach's corner right here. You got this it. is Zach's. Yes. <laughs> I'm going to give you a moment to think on it and get you guys brainstorming here. So I, I was prepared for this question. Um, Ian Bagley. I don't know if you guys believe it or not. He just released a report today saying they'd be shopping Kyrie. He's the only guy that has value, right? Besides him and Sharp, you'd have to package those two to try to make a deal. But the players. Joe I heard, Harris, maybe. There you go. He, he's, I think you could move him for sure. So these are the only guys I think that would make sense for both sides. Um, so then you guys can tell me what you think of this. Uh, ben Simmons, Chris Stapps, Porzingis, CJ McCollum, Rudy Gobert, Andrew Wiggins, Gordon Hayward, Terry Rozier, and then the two wildcard teams are Sacramento and Denver. So start with Robin on this. What about uh, Indiana? What about Miles Turner and Malcolm Brogdon? You know what Brogdon? type of fit Kyrie Irving's going to put up if you ship his ass to Indiana? Let's... Well, what kind of fit is Kyrie Irving going to put up when he puts it? Because there's the thing with Kyrie. Like, we have to stop <laughs> pretending this is like some sort of like, and Kyrie Irving, disclaimer, is an unbelievable basketball player. Oh, Maybe amazing. the most skilled basketball player I've ever seen in my life. When you, when you factor in shooting, handles, footwork, uh, move set, all that stuff. He, if my life depended on one guy creating a shot, it might be Kyrie Irving. So I have a great deal of respect for Kyrie Irving, and I have no personal animus for Kyrie Irving. But Kyrie Irving is not on some noble quest to end vaccine mandates. I don't, don't even know what he really wants. And there's a pattern here. Like, if, if Kyrie were to get vaccinated, who's to say a few you know, months down the line, he doesn't have some other thing that is the reason he's away or not playing or something comes up. So I think people are, are making it very simple on the vaccine issue. I, I mean, I, I think you're, you're with Kyrie, the rubber needs to meet the road. First, the rubber needed to meet the road when it came to his status and the part-time thing. And I think the Nets did the right thing. Now the rubber needs to meet the road on a final resolution, whether he's going to come back to the team or whether they're able to get some return for him. But it's a tough spot. No matter where you tra- trade Kyrie, you got to wonder if he's going to be receptive to where he's going. Uh, and that means the return that you're going to get back is going to be less. So uh, I don't like the idea of Ben Simmons that much. I, I don't know what he does for the Nets. Um, you know, uh, he's that love he's he's not that a perimeter defender and play center. Yeah, I guess he could play yeah. center. I mean, yeah, he does, I mean, maybe he they... finally does the Draymond thing for them. I, I, I don't know. I, I just, when it, I, I get a little worried when you get a guy back, perhaps who's, who always also has his own baggage and, and you don't know if you can play him in closing lineups. Right. Um, but maybe as a center that would work, but I, I think, um, you know, any names? sort of dribble penetration that they can get in a, uh, straight to the rim. Is something Mike I think Conley or really CJ McCollum? Now. CJ McCollum, I, I don't hate that idea, uh, but it, are Kyrie Irving and Dame Lillard going to play together? That's that's a way better combo than him and CJ. It's the same shit, just a little upgraded. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> I mean, Portland's got to do hate something. The idea. I hate the idea of people trying to you know slot Ben Simmons into a position that he has not played yet. He has made it clear that he wants the ball in his hands. You know, he wants to play yeah. as a big point guard. He's shown no indication of being like a a role but man for James Harden only. But but know? he Correct. could do that with their bench unit. 
he, you just could do that with their bench unit because yeah, but but he that's the secret yeah you know he, he could but is he willing to be a bench guy this I early think he's willing to do anything we've gotten so used to 2k where you can just like plug people into perfect situations and forget the human element where a guy yeah. like ben simmons is like he's not coming off the bench to be the point guard or running with the bench units you know and he's used to having the ball in his hands we forget these guys are programmed to play a certain way after they've done it for so long right that's why james harden you guys have seen like he's still shy He's shooting the mid-range a little more, but he's still shy. It's like been programmed out of his game, and it's almost unnatural for him to do. But, you know, Miles Turner, I don't know who, was it Robin? You, did you say Miles Turner and Brogdon? That would be, I don't know what the package would be, but that would be, I think, an incredible return. It, it, yeah, it would be. There, so there's all these other teams that I could have brought in there, but I didn't because the you fact that Rudy, Indiana. You mentioned Rudy Gobert. You right. said Sacramento. Oh, I, that's I mean, wild. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. I think Kyrie would be open. To, I think Kyrie would be open to Utah because one, it's really close to Los Angeles. Two, he, Donovan Mitchell's a sweet guy to play with, and they're successful. Um, Quinn Snyder does he have Duke ties? Yeah, but why would Utah give up give up Rudy Gobert for Kyrie Irving? Good question. That's a great. That's a question. question. I wasn't prepared. For that that's one. a great question. But what about like a Gordon Hayward, Terry Rozier? These are these are all the fantastical scenarios that never ever materialize. This shit never happens. Hey, they just said they're shopping. Very rarely them, so do block. The these, these, these are blockbusters that dudes on like fantasy trade Twitter just go crazy over that never fucking happen. It's not even. I'm 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 interested in, in practical, realistic scenarios and solutions. I mean, honestly, though, if we look at it, and you know, I might have these wrong. Going off the top of my head here, I think Brooklyn is 11th in offensive rating. And I think they are, yeah, they're ninth in defensive rating. So they're basically top 10, top 11 in both categories, despite Kyrie being out, despite Harden getting off to a slow start and averaging the most turnovers in his career since uh, 2016, 2017, when his usage was up to 34%, which now it's down to 28%. That's kind of alarming. Um, Claxton's been out. Millsap has been disappointing. Griffin's been disappointing. Joe Harris hurt. Everything's wrong, right? But they're still first. They're still top 10, top 11 in both of these categories. They still have Kevin Durant. So I don't know if a blockbuster is, is what you, know, you need to pull the trigger on. I think they need to kind of focus on the fringe moves that put them over the top that are more realistic. But, but there's real quick, there's very few fringe players out there that have a $35 million contract they can tie to them. Yeah, brother man, ain't nobody trading. Okay. Hey, how but, about Christian Wood? <laughs> how about send Kyrie's ass to Houston and let him complain there? Yeah, we don't want him. We don't want him. So... <laughs> I mean, I, I think the thing about the Nets is, and this is what people are having a tough time with, they've looked a, a level below, like, the Warriors and the Suns, but as good as anyone else, <laughs> you know? Like, so, is it, I mean, because people keep saying, oh, this team's not going to win a championship without Kyrie, and they're not going to, and, and I agree, it's harder without Kyrie, but when you, you look at I mean, I didn't think they were outclassed in that Suns game. I thought Harden was just awful in, in that particular game. Uh, they looked a little outclassed in the Warriors game, but, you know, it's one of uh, of 82. Milwaukee obviously is starting to improve again. They're, they're the defending champs, but the Nets went toe-to-toe with Milwaukee, with, with Kyrie hurt for most of the series and Harden hobbled for, or, or out for most of the series. So, the, I mean, I, I do think fringe moves could be enough to get you from B-plus to A. Yeah, you know, exactly. they're, they're, that's where they're at right now. Exactly, and to kind of further your point, the East is wide open. It's Milwaukee's on their way to, to getting back to being Milwaukee. But other than that, the Washington wizards are the second best team right now in the East. Miami is looking not like the Miami we expected and bams out. Chicago looks fun and interesting, but you know, there's still, this is still a kind of 
on the fly project that they put together, so on and so forth. The Hawks are seven, Celtics are eight, Cavs with all these injuries are six. Like the East is wide open. So things aren't going well for the Nets. And let's actually start with what you just said. You said Harden has played poor. Um, let's talk about James Harden. So James Harden has been, like I said, he's, he's shooting, he's averaging the, the least field goal attempts of his career um, since, I don't know, going to Houston. Let's, let's, let me actually confirm that. Let's see, 14 cents going to Houston. Yeah, that's correct. He averaged 10 field goal attempts per game in his last season in Oklahoma City. And since then, he has not averaged less than 16 and a half attempts per game, which was the 2013 to 14 season, his second season in Houston until coming to Brooklyn. Um, so the least field goal attempts per, you know, per game in a decade, basically 28% usage, which is down quite a bit turnover second highest in his career in, you know, I think ever actually. And he just looks a lot less aggressive. I wanted to ask how much of this do you guys think is due to continuing to recover from his hamstring injury? How much of it do you think is due to, you know, people saying he's out of shape and how much of it do you think is due to him just getting older? probably a combination of all the things, right? Usually that's, that's generally the, the right answer. I, I refuse to believe he just fell off the map because he was great last year. When he got to the Nets, he, was un, he saved their season last year. He, he was un- unbelievable. I, I, I can make the argument he was the best player in the NBA for yeah. a stretch there. And, I thought and, he had an that, MVP argument last season. People didn't oh, want to yeah. give it to him because of how he started in Houston. But. And, and I like to be honest with you, like if you asked me last year, who's better, Kevin Durant or James Harden, I'd think about it. <laughs> you know, oh, like, so if it, it wasn't until the playoffs, really, where we were like, oh, no, no, this, this, this KD guy is pretty freaking good. It but, really was not. It was not out there. Like, it was not an easy conclusion to come to. Harden was yeah. better in the first series, and it is incredible for the seven games until he got hurt there. Oh yeah, that was the best I think I've ever seen KD play in that, you know, here in, uh, yep. I, I mean, I already felt the guy was awesome, but he, he brought himself up a level even uh, in a sense in my mind. But with, with Harden, you know, I think you had, I, I don't think he looked like he was in the best shape. The excuse that's built in there is the hamstring because he didn't just, he didn't just, he wasn't recovering from one hamstring injury. He, he hurt his hamstring, uh, came back or was about to come back, hurt his hamstring again and then played through the hurt hamstring when he was obviously hobbled. So that's going to that's gonna have an impact, no question about it. Uh, the, the adjustment to the way they're, they're playing, the, the lack of a lob threat, the mileage on his body. Uh, my biggest – Harden has started to trend in the right direction. He had that really bad game the other day. Um, and, and it's funny because it's you – you brought up the human element earlier – but you don't think about these sort of things, and I was thinking about it afterwards. It was, uh, was it the day after Thanksgiving that they played that game? Um, and this, or it was right around Thanksgiving time. Bringing in that big meal, played, here it comes. Um, well, the Suns had pl- no. The Suns had played uh, on the uh, the Nets had had a, a big amount of time off. Maybe they played on Saturday um, that that weekend. But the Suns had already played a game. They were playing a back to back, so they were on like business trip mentality, and they were in, in you know on the road away from their family. Meanwhile, the Nets are at home with space off during you know a holiday time so i could see how you might not be totally locked in because not they're probably not viewing it as next sun's raw like it, it's a game on the on the schedule otherwise he's been trending up he's got a step back back he's starting to get into the paint and and, and set other guys up um he's getting to the free throw line a, a little bit more um turnover he has a few couple, couple careless turnovers a game that that bother me but the, the only real concern i have for harden is the Nets, as currently constructed, are going to need him to put pressure on the rim. 
They're going to need him to put pressure on the rim and, and break the defense down that way because otherwise they're too reliant on jump shots. Um, and, and that's the one thing, getting to the cup and finishing, I, I want to see him do more consistently uh, the, the rest of the season. I've been tracking the rim pressure. Um, that's been the big thing for me. Uh, I actually thought it was weird kind of just looking at a, I mean, he's the last since basically November 15th, he's been a 33% uh, rim frequency guy. So that's basically talking about the number of shots that you're getting at the rim. That's about where he was last year. You saw it, uh, you know, against golden state weirdly in the game that just looked like nothing went well. Um, if at least if you're looking on the outside, looking in Harden looked really good in that game. It's getting by everybody. He was getting by uh, Gary Payton. The, uh, the second he was getting by Andrew Wiggins um, just looks, looks good. The burst was there. It's weird. It just looks like every other game or so where he just doesn't have the pop. The, you just don't feel his, him as much. And I guess maybe that's where the decline is because I think when we think of a player's decline, we think, Oh, all of a sudden, He's old. He's slow. He can't do anything. Uh, no, I think a decline is really where you're not sure what you're going to get night to night. So we'll see if that happens. It's been 20 games. We'll see. Maybe we need to get to 40. I don't know. But if there is a decline, I think it's going to be the night to night reliability. Yeah, I think at the end of the day, it's that rim pressure and that floater game has to, the floater's got to fall a lot more. And that's that's the most concerning thing to me. I think. I mean, he was shooting up until the last couple of games. He was shooting a career high from three, uh, but now he's getting more confident and letting it fly a lot more. Um, I think the big thing is like he's still arguably the best passer playmaker in the game, and he still makes everybody on the team better, like on a level that very few players in the league do. To be honest, even at the level he is, the difference is he's not that perennial MVP caliber type player. He's not a top three type guy right now. He's more of a top seven, top 10 guy, um, to be honest. But yeah, that's where the the consistent nights and the scoring comes. And um, I personally think this team can win it all as is and that the way they're trending right now, like Robin said earlier, I mean, I'm not really concerned where they'll be at the end of the day. Uh, where do you guys think that they have to improve the most or how do, how do they get there to make you feel really confident as this is by far the best team in the league? Because for me, I think the big thing that sticks out is rebounding. And uh, the other biggest surprise is how good they are defensively. Um, is that going to last? I think it should, um, but they weren't a very good defense last year and they were an all time offense last year. And that's just weird how that's, playing out so i think yes three three things rim pressure which we talked about two you just mentioned it uh limiting the amount of shots that the other team gets over them like so that's offensive rebounds and turnovers and um uh the the third thing is just a little bit of bounce uh, you know a little bit more team speed and athleticism so some of those things can be addressed with with small moves and when you lock into a playoff series when you have Kevin Durant and James Harden, assuming James Harden, you know, that's the, the level James Harden's been at is kind of their barometer. Cause if James Harden is a top five guy, then uh, I think they win the East. I'm going to go, I'm going to take a, a stat right now that I've seen a lot. Uh, and I, actually, I should check if this is current, but uh, the stat that I've heard a lot in the last two weeks, is the Nets are leading the league in three point percentage, which while it may be true, I think it's a little deceptive in a way. 
Um, my big thing right now with them is I actually think the spacing needs to improve a lot. Like the, the, the three point numbers are what they are because they have multiple guys in the roster, James Johnson, uh, Deandre Bambry, Bruce Brown, really, you could pick uh, somebody like Paul Millsap who barely takes threes at all. He's kind of cognizant of what his role is. Um, you take those four guys that are in your core rotation they're not shooting. They're just not They're there. It's, it's not that they're contributing to misses. No, they're just not shooting at all. And when you see defenses, like you go to back to that uh, Nets Suns game and you watch how the Suns are guarding the Nets, especially James Harden, where James Harden's stopping at the free throw. And I think Rushi mentioned that um, where he's stopping kind of at the mid range point and not really pulling up. Cause that's not an area that he's comfortable from. Well, part of the problem with him, not only taking that shot is that he doesn't have a driving lane. There are just a lot of moments where you watch this team and the entire defense, you've got four guys in the painted area. And then it turns into great. We're going to kick out KD bail us out. And that's why the Nets kind of, I think for a large part of the season have looked like, Hey, we're going to live or die by KD. And that's why the usage is the way it is. That's why his minutes are the way they are because this team right now, they don't really have a secondary option if Harden's driving lanes aren't there. So I think for me, sure. Would you like the center rotation to be a little bit better, a little more reliable? Absolutely. I think the shooting's just got to get a little bit better. And you're looking at a completely different team. You're not having somebody this year. You don't have somebody like Jeff Green, who is shooting 40% being one of your essential big guys last year. He's not on the team anymore. Even somebody like Kyler Johnson is not there anymore. A guy that's a fringe 12th guy. That guy is now Javon Carter, who is shooting 31% from three. So even the smaller end of rotation pieces have been replaced by guys that are not offering that spacing. I, I agree with Matt. Um, I think that the eight, the full 82 of an NBA season is more similar to the 162 of baseball, where what's going to get you through the 162 and what's going to get you through the 82 is not what's going to get you through that series, right? When it, when it comes down to it at the end of the day, and by the way, Jeff Green is a huge departure. I don't think it's talked about enough. Um, also, Robin, for your own information, if you're not aware, I'm a diehard Rockets guy. So when it comes to Harden, I pretty much have seen it all. And I think you're right. He's the barometer. What version of James Harden they get, barring Kyrie Irving returning, is what's, what I think is what's going to determine what they are. At the end of the day, their best lineup, in my opinion, is going to be Kevin Durant, Joe Harris, James Harden, Patty Mills, and then whoever the fifth person is, whether it's Bruce Brown, whether it's uh, Bembry, whether Claxton comes back and kind of catches, catches you know, steam and whatever it is, or if Blake Griffin can kind of uh, contribute, if it's LaMarcus Aldridge, whoever that fifth person is, that's their best you know, lineup. And at the end of the day, in a playoff series, you're going seven or eight deep max most of the time, right? And so they have, I think, those top seven, top eight guys. Like Matt said, they don't have the Tyler Johnsons. They don't have the Jeff Greens. They don't have those other, you know, they were so deep last season that they could just kind of plow through anyone, whether KD was, was playing, Harden was playing, Kyrie was playing, whatever. But this season, they don't have those pieces and they're still number one in the East a quarter of the way through the season. So I'm not honestly, <clears throat> honestly worried. And I think when it comes down to it, like I said, in a series, they're going to run their five best. Um, and honestly, I think KD can play the five for a long stretches, maybe not against Milwaukee, but I think against any other team, they can get away with KD playing the five in the East at, at the very least. So I, I'm, I'm not really worried, but what I am most worried about is James Harden, you know, the, the lowest usage percentage he's had since 2013, 2014 by 0.2 zero two percent so or point two percent so pretty much the lowest usage he's had in about a decade um the high like i said second highest turnovers despite the lower usage which is problematic for me 
looks like he's lost some of the pop, some of the burst, looks a little more indecisive, less sure of himself. When I go back and watch the old Houston highlights, he was in such better shape. He just looked better. Maybe he's got to take the braids out and go back to the Mohawk. I don't know. But <laughs> um, but whatever version they get of James Harden, because James Harden's the number two, and James Harden as a number two is probably one of the most lethal number twos you could have. The only person that gets in his way is him. Um, he's been trending up, but when you look at the numbers in, in the month of uh, November or even over like the last couple of weeks, it's not that much different. It's pretty pretty similar to what he's been doing for the, for the season. I think over the last, since November 16th, since the Warriors game, he's averaging 24 points, nine, nine and a half assists, 5.3 turnovers, shooting 30% from three on 7.1 attempts, 40% overall from the field on 15, uh, 15 attempts, getting 10, getting to the line 10 times a game. So that's a good sign as well. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it all goes, it all flows with Harden. If Harden is the Harden that he's been, I think they come out of the East, no matter what. Um, if Harden is kind of this on and off guy, then I think that Milwaukee could still stand in their way. Yeah, he's the pulse of the team. And like, that's not a shot at KD, but like everything runs through Harden. Everything. You can run your offense through KD. That's fine. But that's like using a Ferrari to go to Trader Joe's. Like, that's, that's just an, an inefficient way to do things. Like, don't, there's no point in doing that. Like, you, you got to <laughs> do whatever, whatever, you, whatever your mode of transportation is. Maybe it's your, maybe you ride the bike. Like, Ride a ride a bike or or take the uh the, the Jetta to <laughs> to Trader Joe's. That's what James Harden is. You heard, like, that you heard it here first. James Harden is a Jetta. <laughs> that was the first Volks, car I could think of. Volkswagen Harden. Well, I'd love for you to tell him that in a post-game presser. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I don't know how that one would go. I'd be like, yo, man. So you know what I think of you? He'd be like, Yeah, I don't think you get any more questions, dude. So <laughs> So speaking of that though, one last thing on James Harden here is I think he's been pretty transparent in his post-game. Like I think he's been honest the whole year of um, yeah, my hamstring a little bit. Then he said it, it's gone, got rid of it. Then he said um, he was really being passive and he sucked a little bit. And he, he'd, he'd say all these honest things. And from what I'm hearing, I don't know, what, what have you guys been reading from him? And um, I think he um, just understands that it's a process and he, he's getting better as it goes. But um, I think we can trust him for his word and he understands what's going on, at least. And that's huge. I'm a little concerned about like the lack of confidence at times uh, because mm. he's always been a really confident guy. I mean, right. he's declared himself the best player in the world. You know, he, he said scary hours. I, I remember when he came back in one game or said, said something, he's like, oh, yeah, I'm pretty good at basketball guys. You know, like that was, you know, um, so I, I would like to see that swag, but you know, you know, my gauge of Harden is actually, and, and I know some people complain about this, but how often he's dribbling. The more he does the pop, 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 I think the better he's feeling. And I want to see a little bit more of that because he draws so much attention. You know, even when he's he's struggling a little bit, he's drawing so much of attention because of what he is capable of from three, getting to the, the basket, setting other guys up. He, he just needs to, to, to be feeling himself and, and the rhythm. So I don't know if it's he doesn't trust himself physically. I don't know if he got himself into a funk. I don't know. Like I said, it's usually, I think, a combination of all those things. But I'm hopeful. Because, you know, he, he's proven himself over the long haul, though, you know, all that mileage and his age, this could be the, the start of a decline. It's very, very reasonable to think that. But I'm hopeful that uh, the way he started that Knicks game is a, a sign of, of things to come that maybe he finally is starting to feel like himself again. Well, Robin, that's, also- such a, that's such a good point about the ball handling. Because uh, you can tell, like, when, when he's having a good game, you can tell in his, like, first or second move or he's selling the he- the head fakes with the hesitation moves, or if he hits a series of crossovers, it's like the, it's a, just something I've noticed with him this year. 
you can tell within the first or second possession of his where he's if he's really selling the dribbling whatever he's pairing whatever moves that he's putting together um it's a really i'm happy you brought that up because that is something that i was i noticed today looking through film anyways go ahead well i was going to to tack on to that specific point he does that some, but sometimes he does the, the, the bop, 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 and then he'll step back. And if the step back's off and he starts off on like a two for nine or, you know, two for 11, he kind of, he has a difficult time. I've noticed this watching him so many times over the years, he has a difficult time snapping out of it. And, and like I said, he gets, he, the, the only thing that gets in his way is him, you know, mentality wise, sometimes he just kind of checks out the whole narrative about him fading in the clutch. And I spent way, way too much time pushing back against that narrative during his time with the Rockets. But to some degree, it is true. In the clutch, he tries to kind of play it overly cool, not even in the clutch, just throughout the game. He tries to play it overly cool to the point that he takes himself out of the game sometimes because he doesn't want to overdo it. But I think now more than ever in his whole career, <clears throat> getting to the free throw line dictates what he's, what he's able to do. He relies, on, especially now with, with the injury, getting older, whether or not he is out of shape or, or a little bit heavier, I have no idea. I haven't seen him in person in a long time. But I think that getting to the free throw line kind of dictates what he can do. Because when he gets there, he's not able, his floater game hasn't been there. He hasn't risen up and, and finished in a long time, at least maybe he did the other night on the, on the putback dunk. But if he's not getting the call, it seems like he is hampered by that. And so I'm interested to see how that plays with the rule changes in the playoffs. I'm interested to see like what happens there. I, I think with the rule changes, the biggest thing for him is undoing that muscle memory because he got so good as like a, a tactician of like, all right, I'm hooking. I think uh, he started to get rewarded because he's done a little bit more of just acting like he's trying to get to the basket instead yeah. of trying to get the foul. Instead and, of this. And I, I think that's, yeah. It's, yeah. <laughs> instead of that. So I, I think the more he does that, the more he'll, he'll get to the free throw line. And I think he started to adjust in, in that regard because he was, getting, he was getting legitimately hammered early in the season and oh. they weren't calling fouls. Vendetta was out. <laughs> that's because he was doing this. Like the, the refs were seeing this. And that was superseding what had happened before. So I, I think he's, you know, the free throw line also can get him into a little bit of a rhythm, right? Like you, you miss your couple shots, but then you get four, six free throws. All of a sudden you're in a little bit of a rhythm. I, I do think it's a positive that that has that started to come back. And I think that's a bit of an adjustment on his part of, all right, uh, you know, here's how you're calling it. I, I, I'm going to play through it in a sense. And there's also, we mentioned the human component a couple of times. There's a human component for the defense too. There was this great, like if, if Harden's drawing contact, getting to the line, the defense reacts differently. I don't care what anybody, if, if it's, even if it's one call, like you just see the defense sort of, Hey, let's not let this guy get to the line. We don't want him to get any form of confidence. We're going to start seeing those step backs going through. And there's this great soundbite the other night. I think it was on TNT for the Nets Knicks game where Tom Thibodeau was saying, he literally said, verbatim Harden is being aggressive tonight. That is what he told his team in the huddle. It sounds like us on spaces or these, or a podcast like this. That's all he said. James Harden's being aggressive tonight. And that was the memo to the entire team. And it's like that. All right. That's the game plan. That's what we're doing. So I think in that way, that is kind of the score and the, that's who he is. Like that's who James Harden is. If you know, James Harden's being aggressive, we're going to react accordingly. And if you're seeing him get to the line, and we, we feel like he's going to get a rhythm that way, we are going to adjust accordingly. So not only does it help him get his confidence going, it also affects the opponent, the, it affects the type of coverage that he's going to be seeing. So call me crazy, but here's my hot take. I think KD's only playing 90 or 95% right now. I think uh, KD has a lot more to give. Um, I think he's coasting for the year, and um, I think if 
I don't know why you would. I personally don't know why you would, but um, that's just my thought. You don't really have to answer on that. My question is, though. Zach, that's a lukewarm take. 90, 95%. A hot take would be like, oh, he's playing 70%. 90 to 95 is basically basically 100%. But hey, continue. some people think he's like the, the downright MVP. I do not. I think that's clearly Steph. And um, talk to our boy Billy, and he'll fight me to the death of it. But um, with, with that said, say this is the team. Say they don't get aggressive. Um, can't trade Kyrie, Joe Harris. Um, this is the team. What do you guys want to see done with the rotations? Uh, what, what has to be done from, um, Steve Nash and mainly just the rotations. I mean, you got Javon Carter, top three in the league and getting loose balls. I mean, you got a couple guys, Bruce Brown, he's in top three in a lot of hustle categories. Who do you need to see more of what, what lineups? I think Roosh had it pretty much right. I mean, I think uh, KD, Harden, Patty Mills, those three guys for sure. I, I love Patty Mills. Uh, Joe Harris, Bembry, Aldridge, Claxton, probably at this point, though I wouldn't mind if they could acquire, either they go to KD at the five or they can acquire a small ball big. Um, Cam Thomas. And then, you know, outside of that, that's, that's probably about the rotation. The, the, real quick on the KD thing. I don't, th- I, mean, I don't think coasting is the right word, but the regular season is long. The NBA regular season is long. It's freaking December. It's December 2nd right now. They don't play the playoffs until May. You know, like, so of course these guys aren't going to treat the NBA regular season like Twitter treats the NBA regular season, right? There's just like, that's just human nature. Hey, the the suns are peaking. Steph Curry's peaking. Sure. Okay, great. Give them the award for December exactly. champions. Here's your November uh, when, championship. When you, like, when you look at um, KD and the playoffs last year, I'm using that as an example. He, I, I didn't think KD was nearly as good. Even I, mean, I know he dealt with injuries, but nearly as good in the regular season last year when he was there as he was in the playoffs. And in the playoffs, he showed you. I mean, he, he also shows this year. This guy's a true hooper. He'll play through anything. He never complains about the foul calls. He played all these minutes. And in the playoffs, he played all those minutes. And no one else took the Bucks seven games. No one else took the Bucks seven games. They were an inch away from beating them. And Katie was the only guy, because forget Harden's decline now. Harden was getting by purely like, you know, an old man game when, when he was back in that series. So Kevin Durant in a playoff series is still Kevin Durant in a, in a playoff series. And, and I, I think people are a little dramatic about every. That's a good thing to be. You know, that, that shows how relevant the Nets are as a franchise right now. It's almost like a LeBron-esque effect. Absolutely. Where there's hysteria, no matter what happens, all the time, and and you know every time you lose, when <laughs> that means the, the sky is falling, is probably a good sign for for where you are in the zeitgeist. If I just followed Twitter, I would think the Nets were like seventh or eighth right now. They're number one. They're number one in the East. Despite, Fighting for that play-in, <laughs> despite Irving out, Harris injured, all these inconsistencies, hard not look like they're fine. I think as long Blake's watch. Like I said, it's it, it's a long slog. And as long as you can get, you know, contributions from guys like Cam Thomas, <clears throat> you can get productive spot minutes from Javon Carter, so on and so forth down the lineup and just secure a top three seed for the most part. Once April, late April hits, if we're being technical, because that's when the first round happens. Once the playoffs happen, like I said, and we get down to those top seven, top eight guys, the Nets go toe to toe with anyone. The only issue I see ahead of them right now is if Blake Griffin is not Blake Griffin from last season. And if Jeff Green obviously is not there, how do they address Giannis? That's the issue I see. 
Yeah, it's they got they got Millsap and I guess James Johnson for that reason. Do I feel good about those options? You know, I don't. Is there an option? Is there anybody that I'm going to say and you're going to be like only KD, man? Sweet. I is KD. I mean, KD Harden like, wouldn't be bad on you. I would try Harden not. on Giannis. Actually, no, he's it's, not. It's a it's a spot minutes thing. Like I, nobody's going to do anything against you. I, I Giannis proved so much to me last year, where I'm just sort of like. I dude, I don't, I don't need to see. I mean, look, if you, the, the idea, I guess, is it's kind of like the prime LeBron thing where it's like, let's have multiple options. Like let's try to throw him off where we're throwing uh Kawhi on you. And then we're going to throw Boris Diaw on you. And that's going to confuse you. And then we're like, you know, we're just going to throw a bunch of well, random like, options at you and, and well, try to do that. It's not about stopping Giannis. It's just about slowing. slowing him down just a little bit. If you can Which is down, hard. It's hard. That guy is, is so good. Like Blake just, Griffin did it for the first half of that, that series. Yeah. But he figured him out. Like we, right. you know, he figured it out. Middleton really hurt the nets too. Like, yes. forget how, I mean, I think Middleton may have been more of even a, cause to be honest, I knew it was going to get 40 going in every game. It was when Middleton was also getting 30. The nets were losing. <laughs> I look at it this way. You got to do what the Suns did the other night. They took out, they threw everybody at Harden, the whole entire court. They focus on taking James Harden out of the game because they know they can't slow down KD, and they hope that KD doesn't do 50 or 60 to beat him. Just like you got to let Giannis get his and then stop, just fully shut down one of the other guys, mainly Chris Middleton, I'd say. Well, I think that's the best strategy. What was worrisome to me, and this is from the Knicks-Nets game, at the end of the Knicks-Nets game, um, doubling KD worked. James Harden was not a threat. When, when Katie was doubled. And I thought that was worrisome because I'd never really seen that before. I've never seen James Harden's teammate, I guess in Houston, I hadn't seen that before. James Harden's teammate get doubled and then James Harden be rendered, you know, not useless, but much less effective as an off ball guy. However, I think that gets solved immediately with Joe Harris. Joe Harris back in the lineup. Then you got Harris, you got Patty Mills, Katie doubles, you whip it to Harden, ball starts moving, somebody's open for a three. So any way you slice it, as long as these guys are playing, I just, I don't know. So my, I got one more question, Zach, and then do you have any more? Nope. Wrap it up with this. Last question, gentlemen. Thank you again for joining us. Um, who do you think is the biggest threat to the Nets in either conference? Mm, Milwaukee still. Milwaukee. Uh, yeah, I just, I, I, I talked a lot about Giannis. I don't feel like the Nets have an option for him. I'm going to say, I think the Nets build this roster to stop Giannis. I don't, I don't have any anecdotal, I, mean, I, have, I have anecdotal evidence in terms of the guys that they brought in. Uh, Jared Dubin did a really good article for 538, kind of talking about each of the Nets centers. It's a, it's a really good article. I'd recommend reading it. Uh, and two of the guys that have performed the best against Giannis over the last, I think like since 2014, uh, are James Johnson and Paul Millsap. So I think whether or not implicitly they did it or not, you know, it's, it's something that it, it feels like they've built just other counters, other things for, Hey, maybe it's not for Milwaukee exactly, but we do want to build a roster that is, um, you know, can take on multiple schemes, take on multiple opponents where it isn't just all offense. And frankly, I just, I don't know if they've fully accomplished that yet. I don't know. It's, you know, it's really early, but I think that would be my main thing. Milwaukee's humming right now. I've liked what they've done. They've brought in somebody like Grayson Allen to add, you know, add a little bit more shooting. Pat Connaughton's continuing what he's doing. And if you take the infrastructure that they already have with Drew Holiday and Chris Middleton, and you add even more shooting than last year, 
you know, somebody like Bobby Portis also shooting the long ball. Well, it's just dangerous, man. There's no other way to go through it. It, it is really, really tough. You got to throw Giannis uh, multiple bodies. And if you have him surrounded by really good spacing, it's, it's tough. It's going to make the nets work. Yeah. I, I, mean, I say think... real, real quick, Robin, before you go, I haven't talked enough about James Johnson since they started playing him heavier minutes in this, you know, in this season, basically, I think it started against Cleveland where he started getting 20 plus minutes a night. Uh, they haven't lost except to Phoenix that one night. And he's been a plus in every single game, except he was a minus six in the win against the Knicks. So I do think James Johnson could be kind of a secret weapon defensively. If he can just get a three point shot up to like a high twenties. Well, he's quietly a ball handler for them now because yeah. that that's been their big problem is like when you have Harden on and Harden comes off, all of a sudden it's like, we're going to have KD handle the ball. As I said before, it's like taking the Ferrari to Trader Joe's. It's, I don't know if it's the best way to do things in the regular season. You could have Patty Mills handle the ball. You know, I think he's probably a little bit better used coming off screens, um, just generally causing havoc that way. But James Johnson has been quietly pretty good at handling the ball, getting into dribble handoffs. So he's been nice. I think he's been a really refreshed, uh, refreshing sense of energy in a way. I don't know if you guys value two man lineups, but James Johnson, Patty Mills, top five in the league right now. James Johnson and James Harden are ranked in the top seven. So I don't know. That could mean something. But uh, real quick before Robin finishes oh, off. Oh, I, I, cut, I, I cut Robin off. So Robin. Okay. I, I don't have some enlightening answer. I mean, I'll go with Milwaukee because they got to beat Milwaukee first before they got to deal with anybody else, right? I mean, I, I think M- Milwaukee, Golden State, and Phoenix look like the only teams that could beat them at, at this point. But uh, James Johnson, to, to piggyback on that real quick, I mean, I've been a little, you know, I was a little worried a couple games because he wasn't finishing or whatnot, but I've been impressed with his ability to put the ball on the floor. Even at the end of the Knicks game, you know, when Carden got, I mean, when KD got doubled, you know, just the fact that he was able to do enough to get to the free throw line, <laughs> just just do enough to get to the free throw line, that's big. And the opposite of what you said about Stephen Bondi for Patty Mills, because Patty Mills was the most crucial signing uh I mean, that guy, I, I trust Patty Mills implicitly. You know, I watched him so much in Aus- for Australia against uh, the U.S. It, and, and other Very... teams. And I'm like, this guy is really good. I don't care what anybody says. <laughs> He's really good. And, and I, I want to see him a part of closing lineups. I want to see him a part of starting lineups. I, I think Patty Mills is going to make some shots that are going to make a lot of people mad. He's a... Top 10 most likable guy in the league might be number one. I've, how can you not love Patty Mills? I mean, dude, KD, Joe Harris, Patty Mills is on the court at the same time with the fourth guy being James Harden. That's a lot of capable shooting. It's 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 scary. Just James Harden with Joe Harris and Patty Mills is like just it's I need that every like just make that your bench. Don't even put out two more guys like play three on five with those three guys. I think you're going to win those. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't realize exactly. Patty Mills. Home. Is a shooting a career high in three point and points per game right now. That's pretty unreal. Wow. You want to take us yeah. home, Zach? I'm good. Um, appreciate you guys coming on. Uh, that was a blast. Can't believe you slipped that in there, Roosh. But cheers to that. And uh, I, I don't back down from any anyone, especially anyone that looks like that. So, guys, <laughs> thank you. We appreciate y'all coming on. I had a blast. Like I said, Nets are still. If they're healthy, it's Nets or the Bucks coming out the East. I think that's the only way that it's going to go down. Um, and then we'll see, you know, how things end up at the end of the season. But you want to drop your socials, Twitter, anything like that for folks to follow you, Matt? Uh, yeah, Matt Brooks MBA at, at Brooks MBA 
on Twitter. Everything's there. I don't know. I do videos. I do articles. I, I have my own podcast called the clear out, but it's all on my Twitter. That's, that's where you can find everything. You also do the YouTube videos, right? Yeah, bro. Yeah. So it's all, it's all, uh, it's all there, but yeah, my, my YouTube channel is also Matt Brooks MBA. Everything's Matt Brooks MBA. I'm stuck with this, this handle. It's just going to stick with me for the rest of my life. Your breakdown has <laughs> been great, man. Keep it up. Hey, appreciate that. Uh, at Robin Lundberg, it's just my name on, on Twitter. Yeah. It's sports illustrated. As you can see, I'm like an advertisement right at this moment, but anything I'm doing, I'll post there. That's probably the easiest entry point for a lot of us in this here industry. Um, despite some of the, you know, I like Twitter's a great app. I mean, it comes with a little bit of downside, but the, you know, overall, uh, I'll take it. Twitter's incredible. It comes with a lot of, uh, unnecessary. I think it sucks and... outside of meeting people like you guys. I hate it. Yeah. Well, it's, but... it, it's incredible. It's got its downsides, but it is incredible. Instagram yeah. is meaner than Twitter on the low. I don't well, know. I'm glad I haven't been on there since yeah. 2015 or so. Yeah. I don't, I don't use it. I didn't know that, but Matt, Robin, Thank you guys so much for your time. We appreciate it. Um, we'll get this posted. What's it? Thursday. We'll probably get this posted by Monday. So um, we appreciate it, man. And we look forward to hopefully doing this again at some point when the Nets are still probably number one in the East. Later in the season.